Welcome to the RCT podcast. My name is Danielle O'Donoghue. And I'm Dan Smith. And today's episode is all about accessible learning. We'll be hearing from Amy, a qualified occupational therapist who also has first-hand experience of learning with a neurodiverse profile. Okay, so I still remember sitting and reading with my dad as a child and putting words in and seeing words that weren't there. And I think that's one of my first experiences of realising that I wasn't reading quite as efficiently as everyone else in my class. From Kerry Pace, founder of Diverse Learners, an organisation that offers specialist tuition and support to people with specific learning differences or difficulties. Accessible learning for me needs to be inclusive, it needs to be flexible, um, it needs to um, talk about different ways of learning and respect those different ways of learning. And from Dr Stephanie Tempest, who's worked extensively as an educator and is the lead for professional development here at the Royal College. I think when you talk about accessible learning, the tips are based around the need to be creative. Learning can happen anywhere, just recognise when it's happening. So let's start by hearing from Amy about what it's like to grow up with an awareness that you learn differently from some of your peers. Okay, so I still remember sitting and reading with my dad as a child and putting words in and seeing words that weren't there. And I think that's one of my first experiences of realising that I wasn't reading quite as efficiently as everyone else in my class um, and that I might be slightly different and have a learning difference. It wasn't until I actually got into secondary school and higher education that I really noticed the difference um, in specific classes and it wasn't until college that I was finally diagnosed as having or finally confirmed that I did have dyslexia which meant that I was able to put a name to something and start thinking about how that had shaped the experiences that I'd had and affected me throughout school. So it sounds like for Amy the diagnosis of dyslexia was helpful although it came quite late. Yes, I think that's right, and the support improved for Amy as she progressed through to higher education. I had a variety of different experiences with teachers. I was often found that I was sat towards um, the back of the class or put in a lower set um, and just told that my English skills weren't good and I was just obviously that's not an area that I was very good at. Whereas when I went to university to do my master's, I had specific lessons with um so a tutor that would sit there and go through, if you want to spell out the word necessary, think my shirt has one collar, two sleeves, and that's how many C's and S's, and give me a few tips, but also tell me and encourage me that it's okay if you can't spell everything, and there will always be words that anyone won't spell, so don't worry. Um, and I found my experience at university was a lot more positive around what I could do and focused on my strengths rather than what I found in secondary school was focusing on my weaknesses. So it seems there's definitely a need for accessible learning, but what do we actually mean by that? Well, RCOT's lead for professional development, Dr Stephanie Tempest, gives us her take. I see accessible learning a little bit like the two playgrounds in my town that I take my children to. There's one playground which has a swing for children who use wheelchairs but that swing is in the corner of the playground and it's fenced off and you can only access it if you've got a key. They've recently opened a new playground on the other side of town. That playground has a um, roundabout right in the middle that's accessible whether you're a wheelchair user or in a pram 
or walk onto it right in the centre. The floor is safe for everybody and everybody can use and play on all of the equipment. That's accessible learning. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's about finding solutions that work for everyone. That's exactly right. And that theme of inclusivity is something that Amy emphasised too. I think the most important thing um, to know about accessible learning is that it's for it, it can be used for everyone. It's not just for people that have specific learning differences. Everyone has preferred ways of learning. Some people might like to sit and read because they find that um, enjoyable and that's how they learn the most. Other people like visual stimulus or other people like to be get out doing things. And actually, the more chances you have of varying that learning, the more likely you are to find people suit different areas and can excel in different areas and get a better all-round experience. Let's hear Kerry's thoughts on this. So this is what's quite interesting about accessible learning. So if we take a different approach, a universal design for learning approach, which has its theory um, in America, uh, which actually started out as an architectural theory, so making buildings accessible to people. So why have steps, steps and a ramp? Why not have a ramp that everybody goes up? Accessible learning, for me, needs to be inclusive. It needs to be flexible. Um, it needs to um, talk about different ways of learning and respect those different ways of learning. Um, and it needs to be multi-sensory. We actually had a very interesting um, Twitter kind of mini conversation yesterday. And the, ma the theme that came out there the most was that people want to be outside. You know, why does a meeting have to be in a room? Accessible learning for me is about accepting different ways of learning um, and not having them as a, a hierarchy of learning. So that's a really interesting analogy. I think it really brings home the idea of making accessible learning central and not just seeing it as a bolt-on. Yeah, exactly. But it also sounds quite challenging to implement. We wanted to hear more about what tools can help, and so we asked Steph for some ideas. I was very fortunate to work in the higher education sector because we had access to the latest technology, we could record lectures, we had a learning management system. But what I have learned since moving out of the sector is you don't necessarily need the specialist technology, you just have to use what's already available uh, generically. So since moving into a different sector, I've been using tweet chats for learning a lot more. I've used Facebook Live, Google Hangouts, Zoom and all of these things are freely available to all of us so the opportunities exist inside and outside specialist sectors. I think if you bolt on accessible learning you miss the point. I think we should all be able to have the same opportunities to learn in the way we want to learn regardless of our own experiences, our own abilities, our own labels and even where we live. So when you think about accessible learning, there are people who live busy lives, there are people who want to learn on the go, there are people who live in remote and rural places and might want to download resources to access them at a time that's convenient to them. So accessibility needs to be at the core of all education and learning we do and not a bolt-on. It offers opportunities to everybody, no matter where they live, no matter how busy their lives are, or no matter what their learning preferences are. Okay, great. So I guess what everyone wants to know is, how can we put these ideas into practice? We asked Kerry Pace, 
founder of Diverse Learners and RCOT's Dr. Stephanie Tempest for some tips. One of them is um, an A to Z address book. So not with the names and addresses in, but just plain pages and it has the letters down the side. Fantastic for any student or starting a new pro uh, project or going into a new area for vocabulary. So rather than having a, oh God, what was that abbreviation and bits of paper and worrying about um, how to remember things, put it in an A to Z book, normally a nice A5 one, it'll fit in a tunic mm -hmm. pocket. Another um, top tip, which is one of our favourite ones for we get reports of um, wonderful progress on it, is templates. So if you go to handover and somebody might be going, you know, giving you all the information in lots of different orders. So they yeah. might start with the name and the um, age and then they'll talk about who's involved in the family mm -hmm. and then they'll jump to the condition and they'll jump to what happened yesterday when they had their operation. If you've got a template that is set out either sort of like with groups like name, condition, interventions, yeah. activities of daily living, um, MDT involvement, that information can be put into the different box if you like so you the information that's coming in has a place to live yeah. rather than it all being in one lot of set of jumbled notes and then having to spend extra time going through your notes and organizing your notes a lot of our students have done that a lot of the people we job coaching in, um, in various different organizations have done this and then the template's been adopted by everybody else back to our accessible inclusive learning good for everybody here's Steph again when you talk about accessible learning in practice, the tips are based around the need to be creative. I think learning can happen anywhere uh, in many formats and often we're learning and we don't recognise that we actually are learning. So I think my tips would be be creative, appreciate learning opportunities exist everywhere, just recognise when it's happening. I think when it comes to CPD and what HCPC want as evidence, they want a mix of activities. So they don't want to see that you've just attended courses. It's not necessarily the vehicle of the learning that counts, it's the actual learning. So it could be a five minute conversation, it could be a tweet chat, uh, it might be just an experience where you've developed and learnt new skills. Of primary importance is that any learning we do, we can reflect on it and show how it benefits those who use our services and the services we deliver. So even listening to this podcast and reflecting on it and showing how it's improving the service you deliver is classed as CPD. Kerry agrees that CPD should be broader than just training courses. We can go to the CPD because it's compulsory mm. and sit there bored and go, mm. well, this is all I've heard before, go back and forget it and tick our box. Or we can come to an event where it's interactive, you have time to talk to other people, you can make connections which you can then plan yeah. projects and you can make a difference to patients and you can take a, make a difference to the occupation. It's, you know, see it, say it, hear it, do it. Which occupational therapists are doing every single yeah. part of their day, but if, they, if we all talked about multisensory learning, our patients and um, so we need to make sure there's lots of choices for our colleagues as well mm. you know rather than just like here's a standard package that will fix it we need to be looking at that personalization for our colleagues as well to finish this episode we asked amy what makes the biggest difference to her as a learner um personally the elements that make the biggest difference to me are being able to get opportunities to talk rather than um, to write things down on paper so at university, I used to carry around a small dictaphone, especially on placements, and talk my reflections into that. And then I could later write it up because 
when sat in front of a computer or sat down with a pen and paper, I become quite preoccupied by am I spelling things right or is this does this make sense that it takes away from what I'm trying to write down and what I'm trying to point out and learn. Um, so I've adapted quite a few of my techniques now. Um, I think my top tips for making uh, learning accessible for everyone would be um, to talk to people about preferred learning styles or um, what ways they learn so everyone is slightly different and it's acknowledging that within a team or within um, a group at university everyone might have different ways or some people might have a similar way so what can you work towards and what strengths can you play on within that group um, so that everyone can get a better experience from it. So a really big thanks to Amy, Kerry and Stephanie for sharing their ideas and experiences with us today. We hope you've picked up some useful tips on putting accessibility at the heart of learning, as well as a sense of the learning experience from the perspective of neurodiversity. And we would love to hear from you. What are your top tips for learning? As always, we want your feedback on today's episode so you can let us know your thoughts and what topics you'd like to see us cover in future episodes. You can contact us on Facebook, or Twitter, or email socialmedia at rcot.co.uk.